Don't ever let them see you coming. That's the gaff, my friend. You got to keep yourself small, innocuous. Maybe the little guy. You know, the nerd, the leper, shit-kicking surfer. Look at me. Underestimated from day one. You'd never think I was a master of the universe now, would you? That's your only weakness, as far as I can see. What's that? It's the look. That Florida stud thing. What is that? Excuse me, ma'am. Did I leave my boots under your bed? <laughs> never worked a jury, didn't have a woman. Yeah, but you know what you're missing? You're missing what I have. There's this beautiful girl just fucked me. 40 ways from Sunday. We're done. She's walking to the bathroom. She's trying to walk. She turns. <laughs> she looks. It's me. Not the Trojan army just fucked her. Little old me. She gets this look on her face like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> I'm the hand of Mona Lisa's skirt. I'm a surprise, Kevin. They don't see me coming. That's what you're missing. Where's the chicken? Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of The Pacino Pod. I am Jane, otherwise known as A Box of Altoids on Twitter, and I'm here with my co-host, Callie, who is also known as Callie Bud on Twitter. And today we have a special guest. We have Vera Drew is with us. How's it going? It's going great. How are y'all? Okay, I just came back from work like 10 minutes ago, so. <laughs> I mean, I recorded uh, episodes like literally right after therapy before, so it's not just. <laughs> you always just record at weird points in time. <laughs> no, I would, I would feel, I, I feel like if I try to do a podcast right after therapy, it would be really bad just because like. Whenever I'm in therapy, I kind of treat it like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like being on what the fuck not. with Mark Maron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so that's today, not what we, this show is. Oh no, we um, we, we uh, he actually pitched it first, but uh, I turned him down, and I and Callie, I chose Callie instead. <laughs> no, yeah, this is this is a bury your soul podcast. It's not about movies, really. <laughs> it's about feelings. Uh, speaking of feelings, I had a lot of feelings about The Devil's Advocate, which is what we're talking about today. I had tried to watch this movie when I was in high school, and I fell asleep around the time that Jeffrey Jones died, his character died. <laughs> so I was glad to be able to get to finish it, because the last 20 minutes in, of this movie are amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say you kind of missed. Well, I guess it depends on what you think the best part of the movie is. Because on this go around, I actually really enjoyed watching Jeffrey Jones get beat to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's yeah, always yeah, it's always such a bummer when he pops up in movies because he's in so many like really good movies and like joke before on Twitter. But I think like the penance for every like. Uh, famous pedophile should be like like don't they don't need to go to jail just like force them to learn how to do vfx so that they can like digitally remove themselves from every awesome movie they're in so, <laughs> really affects their enjoyment <laughs> yeah. they have to put somebody yeah, else in like I, 
I mean, with him, it was, like, extra awkward considering there's, like, the movie literally starts at a trial for child sex abuse. And knowing he was in it later on, I was like, ah. I'm sorry. Did Jeffrey but, Jones do something? Oh, no, yeah. He, I don't he know did. what he did. Okay. Sorry, go uh, ahead. He solicited a, was a 17-year-old for pics like a 17 year old boy for pics or something like it was a long and others there's other stuff with it too and yeah he's still getting work because he was in the deadwood movie i believe i saw him in the cast list of that so he's still he's still getting work unfortunately (laughs) that's so weird i mean because i don't know this isn't a jeffrey jones podcast i just i just feel like he like what he brings to the movies he's in there's like plenty of other really good actors that yeah. like that aren't pedos that could take up the reins. Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin is a perfectly adequate Jeffrey Jones substitute, and to my knowledge, does not solicit seventeen-year-olds for pictures. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones' yeah. fate in this movie is like if Ferris Ferris Bueller's Day Off ended like in a much darker way. <laughs> <laughs> What if it ended with Ferris just beating him to death? I'd love that. Just splice in the his death scene from Devil's <laughs> Advocate at the end of like every movie he's in now, and that'll make it more. <laughs> I mean, it must bring you a little bit of peace of the air then too, if you ever did watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I know that movie has some problems, but uh. Then to watch him get, like, eaten by that dog, basically. He doesn't get, like, eaten alive, but, like, that dog fucks him up. He has, like, a very rough time in that movie, so maybe that's also a little satisfying now. Yeah, I can, you know, first of all, I feel like Ferris Bueller's Day Off gets a lot of weird shit now. Like, and I I totally get it, because, like, Ferris Bueller's, like, an asshole. Like, he's not a cool guy in it, but, like, there's so many movies where, like, the protagonist is an asshole is like yeah and like is the cool kid like i don't really um but yeah i can that's that might be the only jeffrey jones movie i can watch for that reason because it's also (laughs) feel free to cut this if this is too dark sorry uh it's like it's he's obsessed with a boy in it he's obsessed with a high school boy so like it kind of oh jesus christ wow not to be no 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 it's fine okay so whenever we did the frankie and johnny movie which is a movie about like a cook who's very in love with his co-worker and he like stalks her basically the entire time he just like loves her and like can't leave her alone she's like asked him to leave her alone the entire movie it came out the same weekend as like that big supreme court case about like sexual assault in the workplace and like and so like I don't know. It's funny. Takes the movie. <laughs> it's funny how like things like tie in like that, or like we did a, a, another movie of Pacino's where there was like something similar popped up. Was uh, author author, the the screenwriter for that is Israel Horowitz, like the dad of one of the Beastie Boys who like has some allegations and like. We yeah, ended up spending a lot of time talking about that too. Uh, yeah. No. Sorry, Kelly. Like that movie is literally about like. It's supposed to be like the guy. The guy he plays. Al Pacino plays a playwright who, like, at some point in the movie, has like an affair with one of the actresses, which is what Israel Horowitz is like accused of uh, of, uh, doing 
shit to his actresses and his play company. So it like just makes it like, I don't know. I just after knowing that, I was like, this is supposed to be a lighthearted like family comedy, and yet I know all these things. <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, Ferris Bueller. I think Ferris Bueller. I don't know. I really like it. I revisited it recently because like I think it's like it's just it's it's so absurd like and it actually i i kind of like that he's a piece of shit like and i like that like he's totally somebody that i don't identify with on any level and wouldn't like i identify so much more with cameron and like like i probably was cameron in high school but like i i don't know it's it's i think it's a good movie sorry yeah i i like it honestly like five times yeah no um the reason I was I like, was... I know it has problems was in case you didn't like it, because I really like that movie. So I just didn't know <laughs> if you were one of the people that was, like, on Twitter, like, fuck this movie, fuck Ferris Bueller, like, he, you know, so I, I, I agree. I appreciate it. I appreciate your 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 delicate your deli- delicate approach to it, because I drop a lot of hot takes. <laughs> My hot take for the day is Ferris Bueller is a good movie, and fucking Zoomers need to shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> I, I support that too. Yeah, no, I saw I've seen it like probably at least like four or five times, and I, including like in the theaters, um, and it, I've always enjoyed it. It's very quotable, and um, yeah, saw it in theaters, James. How old are you? Than, no, I saw like I like you know how they show movies again in theaters sometimes, just like right. Like no, I was not I was not alive when first Peter came. <laughs> I had a moment where I was like, is Jane 40 years old? <laughs> I was like, no. No, yeah, I look great for my age, a thousand case. No, um. <laughs> There's been, like, a I, few I, jokes about how, like, Jane is just timeless. Like, Jane has always been alive because Jane, like, has seen, like, every movie that's ever been made. So, I don't know. This is, if if the listeners are keeping track, this is, mark it up. Jane has always existed. Yeah, I, 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 I saw, um, I was there when that, during the great train robbery when the train came at the movie screen and I, like, ran out of the theater with all the other people scared. So, that, yeah, that's how long I've been around. Oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Devil's Advocate's a much different movie than Ferris Bueller's Day. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should talk about that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the subject of pedos, though, that, that opening with, with the, like, the, um, like, guy he's representing that's, like, a, a, a creepy, uh, like, grade school teacher, I forgot how fucked up that scene is. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it, like... What a way to start your it movie. It hits you with it right away, and it's, like, and I was when I was watching, I was, like, oh, I remember this movie being kind of campy. This is, like, heavy shit, because, like, you know, like, it got, it goes from, like, this, like, super serious, like, really, like, really hard to watch um, trial, and then it ends with, like, Al Pacino, like, dancing to, like, Frank Sinatra and his, with, like, deemed, like, CGI demon statues and shit. It's like, how did we go from this to this? So, ha- is this Very weird. both of your second watch of the film? I saw it when I was a kid because I saw a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen when I was a kid. Uh, but I, 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 this might be my third time because I rewatched it a couple of months ago and was like, what the fuck? Why do people talk shit about this movie? This is like my favorite movie now. 
Yeah, I, I remember I remember when I first tried to watch it, like my big like I was like really put off with like Keanu Reeves's attempt at a southern accent. I was like, what the fuck is he doing here? And like that like was really like was like a major barrier for me like getting into the movie. But this time around it was like, oh he sounds fine. I don't know what my issue was with it. <laughs> I mean compared to the accents that we've been dealing with lately. Oh God. In well, the especially movies. because like the movie that we uh, one of the couple movies ago before before this one we watched city hall which has john cusack trying to do a louisiana accent the whole time and he like drops in and out of it the whole and it's like horrible so i was like compared to that i was like oh he's doing a pretty good job <laughs> yeah he's fine he's fine i mean he i don't know i think keanu reeves is is a very i think he's a brilliant actor like i i, I totally get why like it's it's very simple just to like call him a bad actor because like he's been miscast in things like for sure like he does is like he oscillates between being kind of stiff and wooden but like also going really full over the top like in this movie he he really acts his ass off like when like at the end when his wife uh like self-harms and like he's like breaking into the room and stuff like this it was a very effective scene for me, like, this time. Like, it, it's, he plays it so high, like, so absurd. Like, every, the choices he makes are, like, crazy kabuki theater, like, over-the-top choices. But, like, in the same way that, like, Nicolas Cage or, like, any David Lynch actor makes choices. Yeah, well, and even in, like, in this movie, it's, like, he's matching the level of intensity, like, of, like, his his level is, like, matching where everyone else is at, especially with, like... Al Pacino basically like going a hundred percent the whole time and this like he's like just like I am Satan <laughs> like I am this like amazing like bombastic huge like doing this huge performance so it's like and the fact that Keanu Reeves is able to like keep up with that is it, it's, it's pretty impressive and also like yeah even his like performance during like during the opening scene where he like is just interrogating that poor girl and you just want to like beat the shit out of him like because he he's like doing a really good job of being a piece of shit <laughs> it's I, I i was i was impressed because like yeah usually i always i always thought that like the move the roles that he does best in are like where he's not really emoting very much or at least where it's where his his emo- emotion isn't necessarily coming from like inflection of his voice but more like in his eyes or like his, his like facial expressions which he's really good at and like Callie pointed that out um when we were talking about it that like uh he, he always has like whatever you're looking at his eyes it's he, they're always like telling like so many different stories just like in his expressions which is pretty interesting he does have that like like he I don't know I think a lot of people like misread his his, like, stiffness as, like, him just being, like, dumb or, like, because he's always, like, cast as, like, kind of, like, a surfer dude or something or, like, that's how people think of him because of Bill and Ted, maybe. But I feel like he's so good at that reading, like, many different ways. Like, and I think in this film, like, there, this film, like, has so much body language and I think, like, it worked really well because he's supposed to be so uncomfortable for most of the films, so the stiffness really works. But then you were right, Vera. Like, I don't know. I was really impressed by this because, like, everyone told me, like, oh, yeah, Keanu Reeves is so bad in that movie. Like, 
that's all I've heard, like, whenever I told people that we were going to watch this next, they were like, oh, yeah, that's, like, it ruined by Keanu Reeves, but I, I don't know, the whole time I was really, like, taken back by, like, yeah, how much he was giving to the performance and, like, the, like, every little bit, like, you could read in his eyes, like, how he was, like, what was going through his mind. I don't know. I feel like he did a really good job. And Charlize Theron in this movie, she's only 21. Like, I yeah, cannot upsetting. believe that. <laughs> she did such a good job. Like, I, I was like... I, did, I guess no. I, didn't, I, I didn't even remember she was in this movie, so when she popped up, I was like, oh, man, this must have been really early. <laughs> she's really good in it, and they have really good chemistry in it, too. Like, in a way that, like, I don't really see... I definitely don't see in, like, movies this broad, and, like... I think it's probably largely because, like, they were both really young and hot at the time. Because, like, all of their scenes are just mostly them, like, making out or, like, just, like, being a hot couple. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, like, really interesting. Yeah. And I'm glad that they showed that arc of, like, at the beginning, like, they're very, like, passionate and they, like, can't keep their hands off each other. Like, he, like, leaves church with his mom and then, like, fucking, like, nibbles his, like, wife's earring off of her ear and then gives it back to her right in front of church. And it's just, like, what the fuck, you know? Like, obviously they, like, can't, like, stop fucking and, like, I don't know. Like, they're very into each other. And I like that they set that up before showing, like, how their relationship, like, dissolved and got, like, torn apart by all these, like, temptations and stuff. And her, like descent or whatever like into insanity was so interesting I thought it was so well done because like there's like we just watched Donnie Brasco which kind of had like a similar theme of like you're never home and, like I miss you and stuff but that actress I didn't feel like the same like depth and maturity which is crazy that Charlize Theron was only 21 in this movie but like the like I really like felt, like, her pain, like, the entire movie, and, like, felt so much for her character. This movie is, is carried, like, I don't think there's a single bad performance in this movie. Like, it's literally carried on the backs of, like, all of these good performances, because if you just look at it, like, it, like, if you just look at the script of this, it can seem like, oh, this is really stupid, because it's, like, is like like all the references are so obvious it's like like milton and it's just like it's just very like in your face of like we're just gonna hit you over the head with all of these like like all these allegories and everything but like you never really think of like they don't ever seem that bad because like like all the performances are good enough that it like care like rises above like any like corniness that's associated like I really liked uh, my favorite of like of the like smaller performances was definitely like Craig T. Craig T. Nelson's uh, like r like rich murder. Yeah, I like and like we I was talking uh, about this with uh, Callie like earlier today, but um, I thought it was funny that they filmed um, his apart his like um, penthouse is is was filmed in Donald Trump's penthouse because like the whole time I was like this guy's playing Don like he is Donald Trump right now like this is Donald Trump and Donald Trump and murder like three people <laughs> no i think i actually think um because there's a line in the movie right before we meet his character where somebody says um oh donald trump was supposed to come to this party or something yes. but he couldn't and 
I think that was added. I think I have a theory that that was either ADR or like a pickup later to literally make it clear that like legally clear that Craig T. Nelson wasn't playing Donald Trump because he is, he basically is Donald Trump in it. Yeah. See, I like, I thought that they put that in because in order to get permission to be able to film in his penthouse, like Callie and I, uh, during this, when we, we talked about this during the scent of a woman, like, in order to get permission for them to film at like one of like Trump's like buildings or something, like part of it was that like Donald Trump had like had to like appear in the movie at some point, which they cut out. Like they completely cut out his scene in that movie, so it didn't even materialize. But like he was doing that a lot in the nineties, and I wonder if like you have like part of it like of to like getting them to use um, the, the the penthouse was him being like you have to mention me at some point in this movie. And so they're like, I'll oh, just fucking mention him during the, the party scene. So, so I just, that he's like satisfied and it doesn't actually, I actually thought, like take away from anything. <laughs> I thought that that was so interesting though, that they mentioned him at like this like horribly like debaucherous party full of like, just like greedy, like New York influential, like higher ups. And like the person that they, so they're like, oh yeah, Trump's not here. He had some business emergency with somebody and I looked up the name and it's like this guy who basically like went down with Bernie Madoff and like uh so it just seems like maybe if he did require them to mention him that they kind of still did it in like a backhanded way in like including him with like this group of people like basically like oh yeah Donald Trump's supposed to be hanging out with the devil that seems about right like that so would be his crowd. That he probably wouldn't even like. He would like wouldn't even be insulted by that. He's like, yeah, of course I'd be at this fucking party. What are you talking about? He's probably like, wow, I love his office. Who designed this? I love this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's like it's interesting because I think this film actually has like pretty good politics. Like if you look at it from like a like a leftist perspective it's like it it is very anti-corporate it is very anti uh court system (laughs) like it does not i think it fucking hates lawyers to like a kind of a stupid degree um i do think that the movie has some like weird it's weird because like i while i was watching it i wrote down this film is morally stupid (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I don't know that I actually agree with that anymore like the more I think about it because it's very I don't know it's kind of puritanical like it, it really does presuppose that like good and evil exist and that like heaven and hell exist like on earth and to me that's like an oversimplification of the universe but like I guess it really there is complexity to it because like you pointed out Callie like that the husband and wife in it are like so fucking like they're horny as hell like there's and there's like a lot of and they're like not shamed for that like their temptation towards each other isn't like what causes the destruction in it um and even the fact that like the female lead in it is kind of falls victim to a lot of like female lead tropes like her worth is kind of measured by her inability to produce children she winds up mentally ill hospitalized i kills herself i guess um or maybe doesn't i don't know if they ever really say um 
I think it's supposed to imply that like when he when he killed when he killed himself at the end, it like reset everything and everything's right oh, now. Totally. So she didn't actually kill herself because now we're back to the time loop or whatever. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> totally. Okay. Well, that's the other thing that's so weird is like, so is there a time loop? Like, does the devil? operate outside of time (laughs) see that's what i didn't understand about the ending and i don't know if we want to like go to the ending first or whatever but like i didn't understand if that just meant that like he was constantly keeping him in this loop of temptation and seeing if he could get him again and like and like seeing if he would ever bend to like i don't know that was such an interesting like final mind fuck because like I don't know Jane was like oh yeah this movie's kind of campy and I didn't feel that way until like the last 20 minutes when he was like and I'm your dad <laughs> yeah call me dad call he me literally dad. tells the devil tells him to call him dad <laughs> and he does he does like a few lines later he's like so what then dad or whatever but like it didn't even come off like sarcastic it like sounded really natural and I was like wait what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, the la- the last twenty minutes, like, <laughs> if it was anybody else but like Al Pacino doing that, like in the last twenty minutes, the whole movie would absolutely just completely fall apart at that point. But like, because Al Pacino is so watchable in this, and like you want to hear like his like weird ass like monologues and shit, like you're like, okay, I- I'm down with this. <laughs> I'll listen to Al Pacino fuck say fuck God for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> Well, it's like, I don't know, it's like, that the last, that last scene with them, too, it's like, so fucking good. It's just like, you're just watching people act so well for like, and it's mostly Pacino. Like, if you like Pacino, this really is one of his best performances, because you really just get, the movie allows you to just really soak in how fucking cool Al Pacino is. And like... I don't know. It. I. I think the. Is it okay that we're talking about the ending? Like I have yeah. other thoughts. Oh yeah, no. We do. We do. We do spoil literally every movie we talk about. So it's. <laughs> I. So this is. I mean, this is gonna sound like contrarian. Vera Drew bullshit, but like I. So I don't like the ending, but not because of um the time loop thing because I think that side of it is actually cool like like I think the idea that like he is in this time loop of like temptation and like probably will go through it a few more times or whatever is cool but I don't like the implication that it could have all potentially been a dream um there's also part of me that wants that wanted him to like I don't know like just like, when it comes to, like, supernatural horror, I feel like you kind of earn a really dark, fucked-up ending. And I feel like this movie, if this movie had made the choice to have Keanu Reeves take on the reign of his devil father, fuck his sister, and produce the Antichrist, <laughs> I would have been so on board. I would have been like, hell fucking yeah. Well, I, th- I actually think the movie, like, because Pacino is so charismatic, I think like that's part of the intention of it too is that like you ever the audience is never like because he does like and he's fucking saying he does like you this is literally after like you find out that he like basically assaulted his like his wife and like like pacino's character and stuff and yet you're still like sitting there like 
yeah, you know what? You're right, say, and I agree. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it makes it, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like Lomax should fucking fuck his sister and, and join Satan. Yeah, that's the right choice to make. <laughs> it is. I mean, I would have. I mean, I don't. I don't want to fuck my sister, but like, I, if that was my sister, I would probably fuck my sister. And like, if Al was my dad, and like was like, I'm the devil, and if you fuck your sister, you're gonna produce the Antichrist. I'd be like, look, I'm already like in this fucking. I'm already like pretty far down this rabbit in hole. In for a so penny, in for a pound. Yeah. yeah. Okay, like the moment that the movie like really lost me is whenever Pacino was like, she's she's ovulating, and then he patted her knee twice. I was like, done. I hate this. What the fuck? Like, I I like wondered. I was like, is this heading towards? he wants them to fuck and then he was like she's ovulating and I was just like oh my god like I I don't know I think I I I I I wouldn't have been okay with that end what is it with like Al Pacino and incest themes that this is the third film that we've talked about with like major incest themes in it with Al Pacino because like it's like Godfather 3 and Scarface both have major like incest vibes to them and now this film has it very explicitly. So it's like, why does he keep doing these films? With none, of the, none of these films are set that far in the past. Like, Scarface is set in the 70s. And then The Godfather Part 3 is it's just 1991 or something. And they're acting like it's like no big deal. It's like New York City. It's not like some, like, small town where it's, like, well, there's just not a lot of people or something. Like, there's no, like, there's no rhyme or reason. I guess for this movie, it's, like, something about the bloodline. But it really doesn't make sense to me why Charlize Theron couldn't have had the Antichrist. Like, I feel like that could have worked. He stole the devil's son. Well, I, I so, I mean, I, I don't think the movie, I don't, and I don't really, I mean... I'm 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 witchy and I and obsessed with Jesus, but like I don't I don't know if this is explicitly something. I'm not speaking as any sort of scholar right now when I say this, but I imagine, in order to create the Antichrist, that it it, it needs to be two products of the devil, that also are human beings that can procreate to produce that evil incarnate. That is my that is my assumption, and also like. I think in, in this we're like doing like to... punnet squares of the devil. <laughs> we're like, okay, so it needs to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the mental gymnastics I'm doing in my head. <laughs> okay, no, I'm with and you. And also why I think it's a, it, also why I think it would have been okay for him to to fuck his sister because it's like, I mean, I guess like technically they're brother and sister, but like shared. Their 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 blood the blood that is shared between them is is through a, a an entity that isn't human so maybe I don't think it counts as incest. Interesting loophole. Well, he did say that he had so many children. So who's to say you know that the next person he meets and tries to fuck isn't also the devil's kid because maybe the devil's just everyone that'll let him. He did, uh, he did say uh, when Keanu asked uh, where he fucked in his room, he was like, I fuck everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There was that, like, what was, I can't even remember the context, but I just 
know that I texted Jane the line, God likes to watch. And it was, like, sort of sexual. I don't know. This movie's so weird and, oh, like, I mean, he was, sexual. Like, he, like, when he was saying that, he was, like, basically just being, like, God doesn't ever intervene, so right, why the right. fuck do you care about, like, what he thinks or whatever. But... No, like, in a connotation, though, I can't, God likes to walk, <laughs> I can see how that could, like, He, like, paused so long sexual. after he said it that I felt like it was almost, like, tongue-in-cheek, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was just me I, thinking it was funny. I, Kelly, I'm certain it was. Everything <laughs> in this movie feels like a double entendre. It is the horniest fucking movie ever. Like, it, it's just so, I don't know, and we spoke about this off mic. Uh, you don't think Al Pacino's hot in this movie, and I strongly disagree. Uh, but I would like to hear your 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 case uh, for why he isn't hot in this movie, because I feel very much the opposite. I just feel like he looks like he's mm-hmm. done a lot of coke. Like, he looks really pale, and his eyes are, like, really red-rimmed, and I don't know. He just looks a little coked out. But, <laughs> I mean, he's still... He's hotter than he was in, like, Sea of Love or, like, some of the other movies where I haven't thought that he was, like, that attractive. But maybe it was just, like, paled so much in comparison to, like, Keanu Reeves, like, sucking on Charlize Theron's toes. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, my God. There's fucking toe-sucking in this movie. (laughs) And you're asking if God likes to watch is a double entendre? (laughs) I like was like I like paused the movie I was like was this in the script or was the director like hey sucker toes or was this like Keanu Reeves like did he have to like ask Charlize Theron like hey can I suck on your toes a little bit like I I I don't know why I was just like so obsessed with the behind the scenes aspects of this this love scene because it's like how how do you approach that (laughs) I get so bummed out uh, when she shames him for it, I'm like, what a fucked up thing to do to your partner. I mean, like, it's fine if you don't have a foot fetish, Charlize, but... Right, she was like, where She's are like, you? This isn't you. <laughs> yeah, when he was just fucking the shit out of her, like... <laughs> She's like, stop, this feels too good. <laughs> I mean, that scene was so weird, though, because it's like... It, that when it kept alternating, like he was seeing the other the other girl who I guess is his sister, like and then it's like he like didn't care like after a certain point like he was like still into it no matter like which person it was even though it's like I don't know I think I might be like whoa 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 I think I need to lie down for a minute like I'm hallucinating I'm not just gonna fuck through my hallucinations but I don't know that's just me. <laughs> I can't push through that sort of thing. Literally named her his sister Christabella, and this is how like on the nose everything. It's like it's weird though because like I don't. I think the movie, like the movie, does like feel like Paradise Lost in a lot of ways. Like definitely not like in terms of being, like, a timeless classic or whatever. Um, But, like, for me, like, Paradise Lost is really about, like, free will and, like, also, like, kind of about how we oversimplify morality and, like, at what point does someone become a villain? And I think the one thing that this movie does really well, like, from the standpoint of, like, complex morality, like, with its main characters is, like, 
I can't really pinpoint at what point Keanu Reeves is acting in sin. <laughs> you know, like, I can't figure, I can't really pinpoint the point where, like, at what point is he no longer actually doing things for him and his wife and, and to further his career? At what point is it uh, evil? Hmm. I think, like, in the, in the, I think it really is the, the moment uh, when he decides that he's going to continue defending the pedophile, even though he knows that he is. Like, I think that's why it goes back to that exact moment, because I think that's where he, like, made the choice where he's like, now I'm, you know, all my morals are out the window and I'm just doing this for my own vanity or whatever. <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting that that court case was included and that that's the moment that they bring him back to. Like, maybe that was, like, the the moment where he decided to, like, to to just say, like, fuck it, like, with morality or something. But, like, we watched Injustice for All, which came out in 1979, and there was, like, a similar, like, storyline. Jeffrey, it was Jeffrey Tambor's, like, first movie, and his character, like, plays a lawyer who is, like, so excited because he got this guy off on some charges, and then he has a mental breakdown halfway through the film because that guy went on to, like, kill again, basically. And like he sees the consequences of not having put the person away for like the initial crimes and then they go on to do something even worse so it's like interesting that that came up again in this especially in terms of like lawyers and like ambition and like what it means to like win a case whether or not it's like actually like the right thing to do I thought like I think that that's such a interesting theme that's like come up in a lot of Pacino films we talked about, yeah. like, on the City Hall episode about how, like, um, the corruption, like, Pacino, it seems like he's really interested in, like, co- like corruption or how people get corrupted, and that's, like, a running theme in, like, almost every film that he's been in, and of course, so of course he's going to, like, play Satan, like, he's, like, it's finally, like, been building up to the point where he's, like, literally playing Satan. Cor- oh my god, <laughs> that's so funny, Jane. It's, like, the, 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 like, train up, like, last time he played Ed Koch, basically, and now he's just literally Satan. Oh my god. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's weird, because I would never think, I don't know, like, if I just, like, if you handed me this script, I don't know that I would immediately think of Al Pacino to play him, either. Because, like, I mean, I think I, I am very attracted to Al Pacino in this movie, and just in general. And the fact that you point out, Kelly, he looks coked out uh, and kind of shitty, I think, is further validation for me that, yeah, I'm attracted to him. <laughs> The men and mask people that I'm attracted to always look like like dirty, dirty people that that would that would like tie me up behind their car for being trans. Um, that's why I like Chris Pot. That's why I like really attracted to Chris Pontius. Like I feel like he looks like he queer bash me, even though he's like a really good guy. <laughs> oh, okay. I agree with you on Chris Pontius, actually. Well, we could find some common ground. <laughs> I don't know. But I, oh, I think, I think, like, I would never have thought of, like, Al Pacino in this kind of role because I think the way the devil is portrayed in this movie is, like, he's very... Nobody can really resist him. And I don't really associate that with Pacino. Yeah, well, and I think that... Which, now that you mentioned that, though, it actually makes a lot... Like, it makes even more sense that um, Pacino was... Because there's that whole, like, scene where he's in the... 
walking down the street with um, Keanu, and he's talking about how, like, his greatest strength is how no one expects him. And, like, so, yeah, like, the fact that you get, like, a person that, like, oh, you know, because they shoot him, usually in a lot of Al Pacino's films, they, like, shoot him in such a way where you don't actually realize how short he is. But in this film, like, I feel like a lot, in a lot of the, a lot of the shots, he's oftentimes looks like a lot shorter than everyone else around. He looks smaller. He looks unassuming. And like, even like part of his character in this film is like, you know, he even says like, he's not actually, he can't actually convince anybody to do anything. Like everybody are making, like everybody else is making those choices on their own. Um, So, you know, he's just like providing a case, providing the case for it. And uh, it, it is interesting though, because apparently like, this movie was chopped chopped around for like years before it like finally like it only actually got off the ground after the OJ trials <laughs> happened and people were like, oh yeah, now we can like make a movie about like shitty ass lawyers and stuff. But um, Al Pacino was offered this script three times and he turned it down every time because he thought the script was like too cliche until they finally like rewrote it enough for him. But so, like, they really wanted him for this movie, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I read that he kept being like, why don't you ask, like, somebody like Sean Connery or, like, Robert Redford, like, somebody that would be, like, more, like, classically suited to, like, play something as, like, big as the devil. But, like, I think your point, Jane, is really good because, like, everything that we've read about, like, Al Pacino's casting is that he's, like, an everyman. Like, him and Dustin Hoffman are always competing for these roles where, like, they could just, like, kind of fit into a New York crowd. And I, the first scene that Pacino's in in this film, they even show that Keanu Reeves notices that he's wearing lifts, like that he's just like a, a short little like dude. So it's like it's interesting that they did pick somebody that could just fit in, and that you wouldn't, yeah, like you wouldn't be like, oh, this like this dude must be evil. But he is so charming, though. Like I think Pacino has like a a charm to him that like a lot of actors don't have, even though he's not like the most handsome man in the room or anything like that's something diane we re- we read diane keaton saying that like of all the people that she's dated and she's dated some of like the most beautiful people in hollywood she was like yeah al pacino there's just something about that face so like i feel like that could tie into like why he was still like wanted i could not see like robert redford yeah i guess that's true it is like it's very no 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 i mean i could see i actually could see uh Sean Connery from this from that the era in which this was made I could see him doing a good job it would be a very different movie but I feel like um, it would be even more campy no I think I think that's what makes the the casting oh yeah oh it would be so much more campy (laughs) like maybe unbearably Um, so especially if he tried to do an American accent or like any accent besides his own god man I mean then you'd have to imagine like Imagine if they kept that same scene, like, in the club where, like, Pacino's getting a blowjob with Sean Connery instead. I love it! That's great. That would be great. That would actually, to me, it would be effective, not in the same way, but on a different level. Like, I think think that scene specifically is just such a fucking brilliant scene because it's like... You're just immediately, like, you're just in this world where it's like, oh, okay, this, we're, like, completely down, like, down the rabbit hole now, like. And then Keanu Reeves is basically, like, you know, like, thumbs up, good job, buddy. Like, they, like, look at each other, like, while it's happening. It's so awkward. 
uh, I thought, I don't know, you guys, did you guys both grow up, like, in church and stuff? Like, I feel like, Vera, one time we talked about, like, Christian music together and stuff. But, like, I'm pretty sure the reason I've seen this movie is because my dad, like, might have used it, like, in church or something, which I think is hilarious, because he probably watched the TV version and had no idea that it was, like, such a dirty movie, and he was like, I'm gonna use this. (laughs) But, like, I feel like I do remember, like, a few scenes, but, like, it feels, like, so on the nose, like, even though, like... It worked for me while I was watching it, but just looking back, like, what you were saying about, like, this movie, like, heavily relies on the idea of, like, heaven and hell and, like, God and, like, of course, like, the devil exists, so you have to, like, have all this other, like, suspension of disbelief that all these other things exist. But the fact that it's about, like, somebody that's, like, from the country who then moves to the city and becomes corrupted and, like, all of these other themes, like, it just feels so, like... I don't know, like, I, I wasn't watching this, like, oh, this is a movie, like, my, my dad would agree with, but, like, all of the points of it, and I thought it was, like, interesting anytime it's supposed to be, like, oh, something so dirty is happening, something so bad is going on, it was always just three ways, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah. like, the worst thing we could think of. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the 90s, though, like, <laughs> that's just, like, that's just like it was just the easiest way to show how hardcore somebody was if is if they had like even the, a tinge of bisexuality. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh it's no. Like, oh. Charlize Theron's like, this is why you're staying late at work. It's like because two girls made out in the elevator. It's like that doesn't even I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or like the sexual tension where like her friend is like feel my boob, feel it's real. And, like, Charlie's kind of, like, has a, like, oh, this is, this is not like where we come from in the South. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why, I mean, that's why I think, I don't know, that's why I definitely wrote down this movie is morally stupid because it's, like, it's, it is, like, it's conservative and puritanical. And I hadn't even thought about the, this, like, the small town to big city angle of it like that that makes total sense like it it really is kind of but at the same time like I don't know I feel like it feels more like an exploration and maybe this is me like giving a very um you know like 20 years later like queer reading of it like to me it feels more like an exploration of of like that binary than it does you know like an overtly like uh oppressive Christian uh narrative yeah, that's interesting. But I totally get that reading. It's interesting the way, like, sexuality is shown in this film, like, especially, like, between Keanu and his wife. It definitely has very, like, Christian themes of, like, that nobody else in this movie can have fun either. Like, <laughs> like Charlize is, like, so, like, freaked out by, like, the fact that, like, those girls were, like, making out in the elevator and thinks that, like, just because that's around him that he must be like, just as corrupt as them, or, like, because, like, I don't know, it's, like, that's a good point. It is very, every little detail of it is probably something that, like, my parents would agree with. I think that's the, I think that's really my only problem with the, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to say, because I do love this movie, it, it's tough to say that my only problem with it is that, <laughs> is what we're talking about, because, like, that's just the movie, <laughs> but, like, maybe on the same level that it's like, I don't know, like, I love 
Mommy Dearest, and that's a morally stupid movie, too. <laughs> or, like, I don't know, like, any sort of, like... It's all equally, like, over-the-top performances. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, I think her, um... Who's the who's the actress that plays the mom in that? It is completely. I can't remember the. Oh, Faye Dunaway. Dunaway. Yeah, no, she. Yeah. Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faye Dunaway. Um, I feel I think her performance in that movie is very similarly over the top in the same way that like Al Pacino's performance in this is over over the top, and it's like people always say that she oh she has such a bad performance. I actually think she's has a really good performance in in Mommy Dears. So like yeah. and. and, and, and in much the same way that I think Al Pacino is doing a great job in this, and it's like a lot, like you know, that's the type of movie that like calls for that like big, those big displays of emotion. So like, yeah, she's just doing what the what the movie calls for. Maybe that's why I like this movie a lot, is because like I'm of the opinion that like. I mean, I don't think every movie needs to be over the top, but, like, I do think, like, if I'm sitting down, especially for two and a half hours and watching something, like, I want the emotion to be huge. I want it to be really, like, I want to watch a soap opera, kind of. <laughs> and I think, like, with this movie, I think the other reason, like, I really like this is I love supernatural horror. horror. I love Christian horror, too, but I don't really like the Christian horror in this one. I almost wish they made, like, the devil and God side of it more, um, less, like, mainstream uh, Christian and maybe just, and more more like Paradise Lost in that it's like, no, this is like a weird demonic entity. This is, this is the devil, but he's this fucked up, you know, entity. I feel like the way this movie, like, handled, like, paranoia and like psychological horror and that sort of thing like hallucinating and things not feeling real and stuff like that was very like almost like 1960s like Hitchcockian or like Polanski or something like that like where like everybody's like no like what do you what do you mean like and everybody's like an unreliable narrator to themselves too it's like such a interesting like way to do a movie but I feel like it really worked in here like sometimes it can feel just like all over the place and like lazy or something but I feel like it really worked in this film where everybody's like questioning themselves and each other like well all the main characters I guess like Keanu and his wife and the non-devil characters you you pointed you were talking about like the, the, the demonic side in this movie and I actually like was surprised that like the CGI really isn't that bad in this movie <laughs> for 1997 yeah. I was like I was like, that's not that. I was like, this isn't. This is like pretty decent still. Like it's not like I'm not like sitting here being like, oh, that's fucking cheesy. I was like, oh, this that'd be nice. It doesn't like the. They used it like briefly enough that it didn't ever like feel like take me out of it in any way. I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. I think I think the genius of it is is they never. It's it's always like an addition to something. It's always an addition to like something we're seeing live action, and it's actually always kind of subtle. Like even though like like when like people's faces are like shifting and stuff, like they look really fucked up. But like it's I think it like I don't know. It's almost very restrained in its in in its use of like visual effects, which 
again, like, I feel like movies from this era, I don't really think, you, like, you watch anything else from the same year, like, I'm sure you could not say the same thing about its CGI. Oh, exactly. Like, I, I remember, like, because I was, I, God, I probably was, like, was, like, four years old when this movie came out, and I'm just, like, thinking about similar, similar movies from this time, and it's, like, there's, like, a, I don't know, like, a Wild Wild West is a much different movie, but I don't think CGI in that movie helped up in any way, shape, or form to the level of this. <laughs> it's an example. This came out, like, it's so same, weird that the... It came out, like, the same time as, oh, like, I, I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is another movie that... Oh, it came out the exact same, this exact same week. Like, it was number two to I Know What You Did Last Summer yeah. at, the, at the box office. I feel like both of those movies are really, like, smart about, like, not showing you too much, especially because it's the 90s. It's, like, both movies seem to, like, know that, like, the technology is not really there. So I feel like this movie, like, like whenever they did use the CGI, it was always in conjunction with, like, also the scene just getting so weird. Like, increasingly, like, uncomfortable in every other aspect, and then, like, visually uncomfortable for just, like, three seconds. So I thought that that was, like, really well done because... It's like, yeah, anything more than that probably would have been too much and, like, not looked good just because it's 1997 and nothing really, like, looked that good computerized. I feel like the only time I didn't quite like it was when the statue started moving and swirling, but I still liked that aspect, just that it's so, like, fucking unsettling. Like, I just didn't yeah, think it looked it's that kind good. Of, I, I... Go ahead, Jane. Oh, I was just gonna say, like the like the unreal, the the unreality of it, like actually works in its favor, like as like an unsettling type thing, like it makes you feel worse because it's like it doesn't it doesn't look like anything that's like real. So that in that way, like I think it it works, and and when you're doing that, it's like there's like a very fine line of like falling over onto the like cheesy side uh, instead of just like to the side where you're still unsettled with it and I think it just it kept I think it kept on that on that thin, very thin line of, of not going too far yeah I I mean I'm 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 a really big uh David Lynch fan um and I think one of the one of my favorite things about him is is how he uses specifically now like computer effects like like he only uses it really for what you're describing that it's like like to to give you like an otherworldly sense i mean there's like he either does that or he goes so real that like you can barely notice it like like you know like the atom bomb exploding and in, in twin peaks the return is like definitely like one of the most visual like beautiful visual effects i've ever seen in my life but it it's in the same series where like you'll, like, see people, like, floating in these, like, compu- like, 1998 screensaver-looking orbs and stuff, and they look shitty, like, quote-unquote shitty, like, campy, but it's, like, it really adds to this, like, what the fuck am I looking at? I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, that's my favorite style. That's, I mean, like, that's how I feel like CGI should be used, and I don't know, like, just for example, you know, seeing the CGI'd Luke Skywalker that they just, like, the de-aged CGI Luke Skywalker that they did for The Mandalorian, like, that, 
that like was done just solely to make sure that we get young Luke Skywalker in the show. And but it but it just looks like it is like that's like state of the art CGI, but it looks like creepy and unsettling, and it doesn't like that's not the effect they were going for. And like so that and like when people use CGI in that way, I I like find it very. Um, I, I don't like it very much, but when it, it's like when the unreality is the point of it, I think that's 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 where it where it's it, it, it works pretty well. And like people people were saying that about the Irishman, that like oh the de aging doesn't like you know it looks terrible, like you know they look they look weird. But I actually think that was the point in Scorsese in the Irishman. Like I think Scorsese like because all of the flashbacks are like dreamlike sequences, and like that's like his like idealized version of like past or whatever so i think that like that de-aging like that makes sense but just to do it to like get a cheap nostalgia pop out of people i think it's like it just doesn't work <laughs> sorry I that was my really, CGI rant, <laughs> i think what's what's actually very specifically weird about the um the way disney does like it's de-aging specifically in the star wars movies is like they create these like what they're doing is they create 3d models of people like they don't like 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 seeing young i i don't watch mandalorian um because i don't consider it star wars um but like i uh i i watched the the scene with like the young luke or whatever and i think what like was really funny to me about it is like i could make I could give you a uh, a young Luke Skywalker with a, a, a small crew, a, a, you know, like a day, like a day, a day of shooting, and just like a, a decent computer, and like I could give you a good-looking Luke Skywalker with deep fakes. It's it like the fact that they they create these like weird CG models it's it's like very it's like Robert Zemeckis and I feel it I don't know it's so sorry we're talking about Star Wars now <laughs> but I feel like um we, we go on tangents <laughs> about stuff all the time <laughs> I feel like um I don't know like I this whole Disney Star Wars just feel I feel like gaslit <laughs> like the fact that everybody loves these fucking shows and movies and like I don't know, and I don't, and, like, I love Star Wars more than most things. Like, for me, it really does go, like, Twin Peaks, Star Wars, the Bible. <laughs> like, I don't understand how anybody can watch these fucking movies or TV shows and think they're good, or even think they're fucking Star Wars. No, I, I, mean, that I was felt my the same rant. way Sorry. That. Oh, no, you, no, 100%. Um, I, um, I, uh... One of the like it wasn't thankfully it wasn't the last movie I saw in theaters before lockdown, but like one of the last movies I saw was Rise of Skywalker, and I just remember walking out leaving like this just feels like somebody had a Mad Libs of like Star Wars moments that you want to make sure you like pull out of a hat and like shoehorn in, and I was just like like I hate movies that are like that feel like they're focus grouped to death and that movie felt like it was focus grouped and I was like this is the worst piece of shit I ever so like I mean like to bring that back to like Pacino oriented films I had like a similar my, my similar issues with like Dick Tracy came out of that feeling like it was like overly like all the points of Dick Tracy felt like overly like calculated to like copy 
Batman 89 as much as possible. And so, like, uh, if, if I can, like, if I, like, am sitting there watching and be like, oh, I see what demographic that's going for. Oh, I know what that's going for. Then it just completely takes me out of the experience that I'm just like, it's a bad movie at that point to <laughs> me. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's why I like this movie a lot. Because, like, I don't really make movies like that anymore. Like, you don't, I, I think very specifically the scene where uh, Pacino is sitting at the party with Charlize Theron, tells her to pull her hair back. Uh, she does. He says, it's fun to be right. And then he says, a woman's shoulders are the front line of her mystique, and her neck, if she's alive, has all the mystery of a border town, a no-man's land in the battle between mind and the body. That line is fucking... <laughs> poetry and like you would never see anybody like that that's the thing about this movie that i just really respect it takes every swing it can even in the dialogue and that does not happen anymore because everything is focus grouped everything's made like how they make television shows everything is terrible wouldn't it be crazy if we found out that pacino like ad-libbed that that was improv (laughs) i I wish. I mean, like, I I think that's, all, like, another, like, just my personal taste. Like, I love dialogue that doesn't feel like any human would say it. But, like, if it's performed well, it's, like, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> there are parts of this movie that, like, I mean, sure, they, like, quote, like, Bible scripture a lot. But there are, like, other lines in this movie that just feel like the Bible and the way that they're written. But I guess that could also just be because, like, I guess in certain ways, like, Dante's Inferno feels that way, and, like, the other, like, allegorical text that this book is, like, partially based on, like, they kind of read that way, too. So, I just thought it was, like, interesting that they included that, and it does help, like, also make the scenes, like, off-putting, that, like, Pacino talks like that. Like, if a man spoke that way to me, I would definitely run away from him. Like, no ums or ahs, or being like, um, the woman's shoulders are the front line of her, uh, uh, you know, uh, her fucking, uh, mystique. <laughs> Again, I think this is the difference between you and I, Callie, is, is if, if a man said this to me, I would immediately just blow, give him a blowjob in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> any man or Al Pacino specifically? If, if any man, well, uh, I, I'm not going to say that because <laughs> I've been getting a lot of uh, bad Twitter DMs lately, so I don't want to say I would sleep with any man. Uh, Check your DM must... box after this episode drops. So. <laughs> I'm, sure. about, I'm, about to, I'm about to close my DMs because, like, there must be something in the air, like, lately, like, the hornballs are coming out. I don't know what it is. It's getting cold, maybe. Yeah, maybe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you, yeah. you hit a certain number of followers, you start getting insane DMs. It, it, that just happens in my Curious Cat inbox, though. I don't really get those on Twitter. I just get, like, anonymous people sexually harassing me. So. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking about when that girl, or, well, I don't know who it was, but that person told you that they had hard boobs for you. <laughs> Like my boobs are. <laughs> sorry, what? Like you cut out for a second. What did it say? There was somebody in your curious cat that I was 
the, I'll, I'll cut this out, but they're like, I have hard boobs and a pretty fat pussy or something like that. Oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's just like, no, I get some bizarre shit in there. <laughs> and then I just kept replying pictures of like really fat cats and Jane didn't get it for like a whole day. What I was trying to say, like Jane was like, oh, cute cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the gift of that's just the gift of not being cis is like you're just subjected to people's like worst sides but also like parts of their parts of people's brains that um don't normally uh get exhibited i think why would anybody brag <laughs> about having hard boobs <laughs> i get having a fat pussy is like appealing but like what <laughs> But I just really like the way she, the way they described it was like, and a pretty fat pussy, you know. Like, <laughs> oh no! Like it's like, like decently, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. They're not a bragger. <laughs> you can't cut this now, Kelly. <laughs> Okay, I won't. Uh, I'm sure we've had, I'm sure we've left in, like, much worse comments than that. Like, our first fucking episode, like, we had a whole, like, 30-minute, like, sidebar about, like, whether or not Mama Corleone and The Godfather ate ass or not. <laughs> <laughs> like, so whenever someone listens to that episode, they'll, like, text Callie and be like, yeah, you sure like to talk about eating ass? And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like... I'll get, like, a random message, be like, wow, you really like to eat ass or something, and I'm like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, what would lead you to think this? And I'm like, you talked about it for 30 minutes on your podcast. Anyways. Yeah, I like to, in general, I, I really like to operate just like I'm going to die tomorrow, and everything I say it's going to be the last thing I say, so I should just say whatever's on my mind. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply afraid, and I feel like if you follow me on Twitter long enough, you can recognize this. Like, I'm deeply afraid of being canceled. <laughs> but at the same time... Me too. I don't know. Like, I really do love saying the worst, the worst shit. I, I, I really do love um, being an edgelord. <laughs> but, see, the thing is, like, the difference between, like, you and, like, actual like shitty people who like do like edgelord jokes all the time is that you actually like either have a purpose or like know when to like rein it back whereas some people will just be like i'm just gonna fucking say the r word like every other word and that makes me a comic genius (laughs) i think that's i mean that's the frustrating thing about being in like comedy right now it's like there isn't really any nuance anymore and like i feel like the the fascists really stole like cancel culture talk like talking about cancel culture and um and and you know because like i do think i do think like things are too quote unquote politically correct now but i don't think that in terms of like people that use neo pronouns or like people that like you know, like, wannabe, or, like, anything, like, I, like, I really do, I think you can have a really fucked up sense of humor, I think you can say really horrible, disgusting things, I think you could talk about eating ass, uh, on an Al Pacino podcast, and you could still be a good fucking leftist. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I mean, that's what we tell ourselves to go to sleep at night, so. <laughs> we, I mean, I could say right now, I, I, I mean, I don't really, I know you, I know you both, but I, I, I don't feel qualified to, to say this, but based off this conversation, I do. I think if the three of us existed in, uh, the Devil's Advocate universe, we certainly would go to hell. <laughs> Just because of how simplified morality is. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm trans, oh, so I, I definitely I, I know. would go to hell. I oh, mean, like, yeah, no, as, as soon as I as soon as I sucked my first dick, I was like, yep, that's that's the moment I'm going. Then, see, like we were talking about earlier, you know, where, like, what what moment did Keanu Reeves truly, like, sit for the first like, I know mine. It was like, it was right there. I was like, yep, that's me. That's oh, my I'm God. And then, then we, like, flash back to that moment when Jane is, like, right about to suck that dick, and we look up, and it's Pacino. <laughs> oh. That person's face just, like, morphs, and it's Pacino. It's the devil. <laughs> yeah. And then they just give you your ticket to yeah, hell. I, I, it's like, here you go. <laughs> are you, are you, I, I'm, some, I was actually kind of triggered during this movie because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm witchy and, and stuff. And like, I like, like Gnostic Christianity, but like, I definitely don't consider myself Christian or like I, don't, I hate organized religion and all that stuff but like at the same time there is a part of me and this is just because I grew up in such a hardcore Catholic environment like I am deeply concerned that I will go to hell for for you know being a faggot <laughs> like for like the things that like I don't know like the things that like I genuinely in my heart don't feel are wrong but I know that's that's my horrible, like, hardcore conservative, like, Catholic upbringing speaking. Are you both afraid of going to hell? Yes. <laughs> well, um, I was in high school. Like, I don't, like, it, that was, like, a big, like, that was, like, a big, um, OCD, like, intrusive thought, like, and I think it, like, because I grew up in, like, the, the sub, like, first Southern Baptist church, which is, like, hardcore evangelical, uh, bullshit like I remember like one time we were um at vacation bible school and like the person was like we all need to pray to make sure that George W. Bush doesn't uh legalize gay marriage make an amendment to legalize gay marriage so that like you know because then we can marry ducks or whatever you know like just weird ass bullshit like that um so I used to worry about it then but then like at some point I had like a I had like a realization that like don't think like if there was a like a true loving god that it wouldn't care about uh they wouldn't send people to hell because they didn't procreate they didn't procreate with the right person or whatever you know like it, it just doesn't it didn't make any sense to me so it's just like i'm i'm gonna let that go and like i guess if i do end up like i die and all of a sudden i wake up and i'm like being punished eternally i'd be like guess that was wrong <laughs> oh well yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, I mean, like, what choice do we have at that point? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm probably still... It's more just, like, this, the, like, societal stuff about, like, growing up religious that, like, bothers me. Like, I'm worried, like, about, like, you know, if, like, my parents found out, you know, that I was, like, bi or something like that, you know, then I'd be like, oh, no. But I, I guess I don't really think that, like, 
the fact that, like, I, like, girls will, like, send me to hell or, or, like, afraid of things like that. But, like, I think whenever I was a kid, like, I used to be so afraid of it. Like, I think now I agree with Jane where I'm just like, oh, yeah, that probably doesn't exist. Like, it doesn't really, like, add up or make sense. But, like, I still just have that random fear of, like, whenever I take a dab too big and I think I might die because, like, it just hurts my lungs, I'm like, oh, God, I promise I'll be better. Like, please, I'm so sorry for everything I did. Like, I'll still have that moment of, like, I'm so sorry. Like, please forgive me. Like, I don't want to go to hell. Like, so I know it's, like, still, like, back there somewhere. But, like, uh, whenever I was a kid, I had this, like, insane nightmare that, like, and it's, it's so funny, like, it's, right after we got a Dell computer, like, our very first, like, home computer, so this is, like, late 90s, I had this nightmare, because, like, I was having, like, Sunday school and, like, learning about hell and shit like that, and I had this dream that, like, Noah had created this, like, thing in the sky that anytime someone sinned, it would just, like, zap them. Like, there was just, like, no, like, in-between anymore, like, between, like, dying and getting to hell. It was just, like, when you sinned, you were fucking done. So I was, like, running around, everybody's, like, getting zapped in my dream, and then I, like, came home, and my, like, our Dell computer had an error report, and then it exploded. Like, the computer got smited, too. And, like, I just remember being, like, so afraid, and then I, like, woke up, and I I was like, I was like covered in sweat, and like now, in a, as an adult, I'm like, oh, if my kid did that, I'd be like, there is no such thing as hell. Like, do not worry. Like, it is not that serious. But like, it's funny that my parents were like, just kind of like, well, it's a place you don't want to go. <laughs> like, there was just, like, there was no like comfort over like the like I don't know. I, I really think it it is like fucked up that we like teach kids about that. Like, it's like a kid like it as if it's like a children's story. Like all the stories of the Bible are like the most like fucked up insane shit and we're like put it in a cartoon like play it on sunday mornings really yeah we're like remember kids when god like got so mad at everyone that he just flooded the whole earth and that could happen again like they're like see you next week did you get your goldfish like they act like it's no big deal yeah i think they really i don't know I, i if i ever have children which i mean it would take a miracle for that to happen on accident. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know that I would relate, like raise them with any religion of any kind for that reason. And I actually would probably keep like all of my pagan shit and my, you know, Jesus shit kind of to myself, because I do think, I think like when your mind is that, when your mind's still growing, like, I mean, cause I still do have those. And I think, Jane, you called it an intrusive thought. Like, I think that is probably what it is for me because it definitely comes up when it's, like, something that is, like, totally not worthy of going to hell for. (laughs) But basically what I'm getting out of this is I just, I really should go back to therapy. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel the same way. Um, I think that's, uh, therapy's good. And (laughs) if anything, that's, I think that's the message of the devil's advocate, too, is that if, uh, if they had just gone to therapy, everyone in that movie had gone to therapy, um, there wouldn't be any sin or any more, and everything would be all good. <laughs> Is that the thing? Yeah. Well, even with therapy, it seems Charlize Theron was having a hard time. Well, she had the hardest time of, like, anybody in the movie, though, I guess. That wasn't her fault. <laughs> There's something about that that feels, like, both, like, problematic and somehow, like, a very kind of... Like, I think she is, like, an actually well-developed female character. Like, 
I think the fact that like she's the only one in the movie that is like, it, at least in the beginning, really cognizant of like the supernatural, like horrific shit that's happening is like, I don't know, like it's it's very cliche in any sort of like religious story or supernatural story for for the woman to be more in touch like with her intuition on that level but there's something about this movie that it doesn't feel like sexist to me almost like it it almost like she is validated by the end like because she is like trying to get her husband to see like this entire time that like no you're working for the devil or something she doesn't know at that point she she knows something is amiss um and I just think it's interesting that, like, she is the only one in the movie, and, like, she's also the only, like, female main character, really. It does feel like almost yeah. like a trope, that she's, like, the good one, and she's, like, pure, and that's why, like, it sits so unwell with her as soon as she, like, walks in to any, like, situation. She's, like, I don't know, but I guess she still kind of, like, falls into, like, t- like she's really, like, charmed by Milton, and then, like, she cuts her hair because he said to, and stuff like that, so... But, yeah, like... I guess I see what you mean. Like, there, like maybe if it had been, like, any other actress or, like, it's just something about the execution, I wouldn't have liked it because, like, it does fall into those, like, horror movie tropes of, like, well, somebody's saying something's wrong and the other person's denying it the entire time. But, like, she's so, like, desperate the entire movie and, like, it's so... I don't know. She just did such a good job. I, like, couldn't get over it the entire time. Yeah. That, I mean, that really is what it comes down to. She's just so fucking good in this movie like and i i am so like resentful that like somebody could be that talented at 21 right um, just again i should go back to therapy <laughs> i really was so much more interested in her parts of this movie like i i thought like he like almost like his shit was like b plot like because like the whole parts of like her like she was so excited to like get that beautiful apartment and I was like oh hell yeah this apartment is really gorgeous and it's like in this beautiful building and like you can see the park like I've never seen a New York apartment that looks like that and then like the fact that she never feels at home there like they do such a good job of showing that like she she keeps trying to paint the walls and she keeps trying to do all these things with the money that they have now and she like never quite quite gets there so maybe it's all those details as well that like make her feel like a more well-rounded out character and not just somebody that like sat at home and was like well where's Keanu I miss him like sort of stuff like you can see like all of her like attempts and like everything that she's doing and then it feels like Keanu is kind of like a little like his character you don't really see things change as much for him like it seems like he just thinks it's fine all the time which might not be the like a failure like it might just be like how some people are like they just kind of like are oblivious to things until it's like too late I guess I think that's a great read of it because I I also Keanu is not he is a passive character throughout the whole movie like he like everything that happens in the plot really is just happening to him and he kind of you know, reacts or, or mostly doesn't react because it's Keanu. But I think that's what's interesting about the wife character. I mean, I don't remember her name, so maybe that uh, maybe she isn't a good character. Um, but uh, it's it feels like, you know, the movie even says at one point, like, like she's talking to the other wives and they're like, you know, you can go a few different routes. You can play or you can be a mother or like you could work too. And it's like, I think... 
you know, she doesn't want to be a trad wife. And she also, like, doesn't really seem to know... Like, she, she really does see that there are, like, three options for her. One of them is having children, and she can't. Uh, one of them is being a stay-at-home wife, and I guess, like, a, a, one that cheats, and she does And, like, she also can't work. And, like, to me, it's, like, that kind of is, like, what society does offer to, especially, like, a married woman, like... It, it still is like a subservient thing and like is is there's very few options and women do have like a lot more stacked up against them and i feel like the movie almost knows that so that's what's weird too is like it, it is so like evangelical and puritanical in a lot of ways but like i think it wants its its main female character to like reclaim her power and be something beyond you know just like a stay-at-home wife I thought it was interesting, like, that everybody was, like, trying to change her, like, in the movie, and that that was, like, really subtly done, but, like, like, it wasn't, like, too in your face, but, like, whenever her friend is, like, talking about boob jobs, and she's like, well, here's the name of my doctor, you know, whenever you're ready, like, just, like, leaving it open, like, whenever it's time for you to get a boob job, as if that's just decided or something, like, it was interesting, and then, like, the thing with her hair, and, like, I don't know. I thought that was all interesting to show, like, the societal pressures, which is, like, a good point that, like, yeah, this movie is really, like, puritanical and Christian feeling, but then it also really, like, seems to understand, like, the, like, things that can, like, all the different pressures that can be on, like, a little wife. I think if you haven't seen it, you should see it. I think it's, I I really do think it is, like, I don't think it's, like, one of the best movies ever made, but, like, it is, it is a very good movie and I I also think there's just I mean like we had an an hour and a half conversation about like I do think there I think it's a very interesting movie I highly recommend it yeah it's it's like it's interesting in in ways that like you know it's not even that old of a movie it's like you know it's only a little bit over 20 years old and yet it still feels like a movie that like you would never see get made today <laughs> so it is like an interesting like in that way i think it's like i think it's worth watching i definitely liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to like i feel like i kind of heard negative things about it and so i'm glad i gave it a chance and just kind of like went in with like an open mind because like yeah besides the the last 20 minutes which i still think like, it didn't fully ruin the movie. Like, I joked about, like, oh, that's when it lost me. But, like, I still liked the movie. Yeah, I agree. I would recommend it to people. Yeah, it's it's probably my favorite Pacino performance. Although, honestly, I don't know. I really loved The Irishman. Yeah, I'm excited. And I do think, I think he's very good in that, too. Like, I think he's way better movie. in that movie than Robert De Niro is in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Right? It's weird. You know, like, I think De Niro's good in that movie because I do think, I think De Niro, it, he he's not doing what I thought it was going to be. Like, I don't know. Like, I thought it was going to be more, like, characters we've seen him play in Martin Scorsese movies before. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. He's, like, kind of like a dumb guy and, like, kind of just, like, and also, like, by the end, it's just, like, there's no glamour left. He really, it really, like, let, allowed us to see, like, shitty old man Robert De Niro um but yeah no I think Pacino in that movie I think he steals the show I think I think Pesci too like the choice to cast Joe Pesci as like 
the quiet guy in a movie is so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, I thought that, I'm excited, I mean, that's weird, that's a long time from now before we're going to be talking about that one, but I am excited because, like, literally everybody is playing against type in that film, and, like, the whole thing is, like, a complete deconstruction of, like, everything Martin Scorsese had done, like, prior in prior films, so... I'm excited for that. Maybe we'll have you back on eventually when we get to that point. Please, yeah. <laughs> I just watched um, Mean Streets, which is like young Joe Pesci and De Niro, like in like the late '60s, and they were both so cute. Like I didn't think I would ever think Joe Pesci was hot. He's really cute in that movie. <laughs> yeah, De Niro is also real, like total babe. Just, and, and you know what, like, also, just because I've, like, revealed how much of a scumbag I am on this show, uh, like, I, I also, I'm attracted to Robert De Niro. I'm really attracted to any era of Robert De Niro, but, like, Rupert Pupkin, Robert De Niro, and King of Comedy, like... Uh, I mean, I that, that makes sense. I mean, you are making a your own Joker movie, and the previous Joker movie was just making their own King of Comedies. <laughs> it was, like, three movies <laughs> Well, my Joker movie, my Joker movie is, um, act like, and I, this is not a joke. Um, I like actually really kind of modeled it off of like later Scorsese. Cause I really, I think Thelma Shoemaker, who, uh, is his editor has been forever. I think she's the real reason like Martin Scorsese is who he is. And like, like Wolf of Wall Street is the best edited film of all time. Like, it's a three and a half hour movie. It does not feel like three and a half hours and it crams so much in there. Um, so my Joker is 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 more like 90s Corsese, Goodfellas. And... That's exciting. She leads me into like, yeah. um, it, it was, you know, is there anything else you would like to plug before we leave? Follow me on Twitter. I'm VRDrew22 on Twitter and Instagram. I have a podcast called Welcome to Jackass that I do with my best friend Ember Knight. And we talk about Jackass. And yeah, I also have another podcast that I'm going to be uh, doing soon. But just follow me on Twitter. I'm really funny. I'm the funniest person on Twitter. It's true. She is the funniest person on Twitter. I'm pretty sure I've like put her on 99% of my follow Fridays at this point. <laughs> I'm making, a, I'm making a, an illegal comic book movie called The People's Joker. It started as as a as a joke between me and uh, my friend Brie LaRose that, you know, she dared me or she commissioned me actually to re-edit Todd Phillips' Joker movie. And I started doing it and then I quickly realized that would have been a waste of time. Um, I mean, I would have made like 20 people happy because, you know, like I can give you like the absolutely productions version of Joker if you want with like fart sound effects and whooshes and stuff. Um, but yeah, as I got into it, I was like, no, I'm going to actually like make this a, a movie. So it's, it's my first feature film. It's about what it's like being a trans woman who works in comedy. It's very funny. It takes place in the Batman universe. I don't know how I'm legally going to get away with using any of these characters. My manager's very worried, <laughs> but that's always a good it's thing. It's good. It's it's shaping up. If your manager's worried, you know you're what did like you say? that's a good thing. If your manager's worried, it's like you're onto something good. <laughs> you know, Pacino's manager. Yeah. I'm no, sure I, he was worried that he did cruising and look. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 
one of his most hated movies. <laughs> well, everyone loves it now. Everybody that I talk to loves that movie now. Yeah, like maybe I love you just gotta wait. I... 20 years later, everybody loves it. <laughs> 20 years later, Warner Brothers will get permission for all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should add that the People's Joker also takes place in the same universe as Cruisin', so... <laughs> there we go. Relax. Yeah, that's how we tie it all back together. Um, so yeah, I, uh, happy happy to have you on uh, for this episode. Um, next week we will be doing The Insider, which I have not watched yet. So that'll be it. Has Russell Crowe in it? So <laughs> um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at SaddleBlueBat. Follow Callie at Callie Bud. You can follow the podcast at Pacino underscore pod. Someday we'll have the Patreon up. But in the meantime, <laughs> you can give us five stars and leave reviews. I'm contractually obligated to say that so that we get shown up in the algorithm on these podcast apps. So thank you very much once again. Thank you so much for being on the show, Vera. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. I love talking about movies. And uh, keep it keep locked. It locked. <laughs>